Welcome, welcome back to Become a Calm Mama. I'm your host, I'm Darlene Childress, and I'm a parenting coach and a life coach, and I help you become calm, right? And part of being calm as a parent is knowing how to handle our kids' behavior. And I want to talk today a little bit about this article I read called The Rise of the Accidentally Permissive Parent. (laughs) And it was in The Cut uh, magazine. And it came out, I don't know, in December possibly. Let me look. Um, Let's see. Yeah, December 12th, it came out. And I have probably read this article like 50 times because it is fascinating to me to see the trends in parenting. I talked about this a couple weeks ago on the podcast about how I used to have to tell parents that feelings matter. And, and I would talk a lot about, you know, stress, stress regulation and, and all of the emotions and how to compa- be compassionate with our kids and how to connect with our kids and all of that. And then over the last 15 years of being a parenting coach, I see the shift towards there's a lot of validation um, on emotions. And I now have to talk about how important it is to have consequences. And so we've come a long way in terms of emotionally coaching kids, which I love. And at the same time, we may be becoming accidentally permissive. And that's the title of this article. And I'm going to talk about the article for a few minutes and then give you some strategies. So one thing I thought was fascinating is that uh, there was a recent study that you know, some, some, you know, researchers did on parents who were practicing gentle parenting principles. And they said that 40% of parents actually don't know what they're doing. (laughs) 40%. And that's what I see. I feel like we have a great value system around, you know, identifying, um, feeling, staying calm, not yelling, not screaming, not using punishment and trying to help our kids manage their emotions. But what ends up happening is that nothing, there's no management of misbehavior. There's not really language around setting limits or having consequences. And there was this this quote I wanted to read. It says, parents who identified as gentle in our study usually note three things. One, they regulate their own emotions in the middle of a conflict. Okay, in our program, we call that calm, right? They try to name their child's emotions. That's number two. And then they, three, give the child coping skills. And that's connection. So there's a belief system in this philosophy around compassionate parenting, gentle parenting, right? That our job as parents is to regulate our own emotions in the middle of a conflict. Yes, 100%. And then name the child's emotion and give them strategies to communicate their big feelings in ways that work for others. I love it. And I'm telling you, it's an incomplete parenting model because it doesn't have limits or correction. And that's why I developed the Calm Mama process, to be honest, is because I loved, like when I learned this, it was called nonviolent parenting. And I learned these strategies about emotional coaching my kids through their big feelings and how to manage temper tantrums and how to, you know, not just put them in a timeout. I was doing 
one, two, three magic. I would, you know, be like, that's one, you know, that's two, that's three, go sit over there. You're four, sit there for four minutes, <laughs> right? And my child was not learning how to manage his emotions at all. He, <laughs> we, we were just talking about this as a family. We used to have this chair. This is before I learned any, you know, the parenting strategies that I teach. We had this chair, we called it the timeout chair. And we recently got rid of that chair and it still had the bite marks on the arm. It was a wooden chair with arms and it had all these bite marks from Lincoln, like chewing the wood while he was in a timeout, trying to regulate himself, trying to calm down. And, to, you know, it's sad to think of him doing that working so hard at self-soothing and self-regulating and using his body to calm himself, which is not a problem, but he was by himself just, you know, you know, filling up with like, I've got to be good. 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 And that's just sad to me, right? I think co-regulation is so beautiful. You, instead of putting your kid in a timeout, you a time in, you come alongside, you give them some support, right? So that calm, that connection, when I first learned about it, I was like, yes, I love all this. I definitely, there's this art, part of the article that says, um, modern parents are simply trying to be less punitive than their own parents and break up the patterns, namely screaming and spanking, that many of us Gen X and millennial parents have experienced. And that's what we're trying to do, right? We're trying to break cycles of, of shame and punishment and pain. Um, but what we don't know is then what to do with misbehavior. Remember this struck me early on when like my kids were just uh, like being silly and they spilled popcorn all over the floor and they were just kind of like, you know, to them, they don't think about what is the results of having all this popcorn on the floor because they don't know anything, right? They're like four and six or whatever. And they spill all this popcorn and I just looked at it and I was like, okay, what am I supposed to do about this? It's not cool that they're like spilling popcorn all over the place. And yet what am I supposed to say? Oh, you guys were feeling so silly. Yeah, you love popcorn. Yeah, it's fun to throw it. Uh-huh. Aw. Then what? That's when I did that deep dive and I started to understand boundaries and limits and how to set limits. And that's why I teach the limit setting formula. And that's why I teach this concept of restitution, which is a you know, restorative justice type of model in parenting. When your kid makes a mistake, you, they have to fix it. And when I put the program together, the Calm Mama process, calm is that part about us is emotional regulation ourselves. Some of that requires healing from trauma, of course, and going deep dive into our own narratives. And I've talked a lot about that on the podcast. So calm, also stress management, right? All the beautiful things that are just about being, you know, a healthy whole person. So we have to do that. And then connection, how to emotionally coach our kids through their big feeling cycles within limits, with boundaries. I was just talking to a mom who's in my program in the Calm Mama Club, and we were. She was saying, you know, how much she helped her child this morning with her big feeling cycle, and the, the daughter had um, spilled some chocolate milk, and she was upset, and she kind of couldn't get over it, and then she was upset 
about a doll that her sister had and then she was upset about you know something else and so this happens right you have a four-year-old they just kind of can't get through their feelings and you know she was leaving for work and she had to drop her daughter off at preschool and the mom said oh you know I felt guilty about leaving her in that distressed state and I think that's so indicative of how we feel when our kid is struggling with an emotion or struggling to move through a big feeling, we feel like we can't set a boundary. That if we do, we're doing something wrong. If we go in and say, I'm leaving for work. I, I hear you're, you're going to go be at school and be sad a little bit. It is okay for our kids to process their negative emotion alone. It's okay for them to process their negative emotion with someone else. And it's okay for you to shift out of it. Not every negative emotion needs to be processed. Not every meltdown, every big feeling needs to be evaluated and discussed and teased out. There's not time for that, <laughs> to be honest. We have too much going on as, as moms and as, as parents, as people. So there are times when you say, you know, I understand that you're feeling sad and it's time to put your socks and shoes on. Are you putting them on or am I? It's okay if you keep crying while you do it. It's okay to move moments forward. There's another part of the article that I really liked and it says, this softer approach, this gentle parenting approach, doesn't necessarily get results. When a kid misbehaves and you find yourself talking about that feeling, or taking a few deep breaths in the other room, it doesn't seem to help. And then you end up being inconsistent with your limits and you have, you know, the kids start talking back to you. There's so much negotiation that happens when you are not, when you don't have strong boundaries, when you feel guilty about having those boundaries and when you don't hold them because it's tiring. Because what happens when you have a limit? Let me give you an example of a limit. You know, you are welcome to play on the trampoline once you have cleaned up all of these balls, okay? Or you're welcome to go outside once you have finished your reading assignment. And you are waiting and your kid is just playing around and they're not doing the thing that they're supposed to do. And so you just say, okay, time's up. We're not going to play outside. That's, you know, your limit. Or, oh, the balls aren't being cleaned up. There's, the trampoline is closed you know, and you stand in front of the trampoline. And what happens when you are in that moment with your kids is that they then have more feelings, right? When you have a boundary and you hold it, your child is going to have emotion about that, about that boundary. It's going to bring up uncomfortable feelings. It's going to be, um, you know, make them mad, make them sad, right? And then all of a sudden, you're in another big feeling cycle. And you will feel like, okay, now I've got to manage this big feeling cycle and I'll coach them and hold space and let them talk about it. And the next thing you know, they start negotiating with you. They're like, okay, what about if I pick up two balls? Can I go in the trampoline? What about if I only read one page? Can I still go outside? Mom, what about this? I'll read one page, I'll go outside for five minutes, and then I'll come back inside, and then I'll keep reading. And you find yourself almost like negotiating every limit. And 
you are probably training your child that you are open for negotiation because you're trying to figure out a way to not trigger a big feeling cycle because in this model, it can be exhausting to always ride every emotion out with your kids. And I want to invite you to think about the fact that you don't have to. That they can be sad and they can be uncomfortable and they can be disappointed. And that can just be true. You want to name it, but you don't need to manage it. We don't need to manage all these emotions. We don't need to shift them. We don't need to do things to get our kids to feel differently. That's not what this is about. It's really about acknowledging the emotion and letting your kid learn for themselves that they can handle it, that they know how to overcome discomfort. I want to talk about this in another episode, but I'm just thinking about like how, how, how helpful boredom is because boredom is extremely uncomfortable. And when you are in a position where you don't have a distraction and you're just, you know, you're going to try to do some seeking. You're going to start bugging your sibling. You're going to beg your mom for the phone. You know, you might start creating a problem so, or to get to get that um, energy out. And if you can hold that line as a parent and not give the phone, right, and and just not give in to the, whatever the desire is and let your child struggle a bit, they will move through the emotion and find a way to satisfy their brain. It's just trusting that temporary discomfort and allowing for it. Now, how we get into this permissive parenting trap, right, is when our kids misbehave because of their feelings, right? They throw the applesauce, you know, this is an art from the article. It's like, you know, kids on playdates who throw the applesauce pouch across the room after demanding graham crackers or kids who hit with no punishment, or kids who act as if there are no rules, right? A child slapping their mother. We tend to have this sort of upside-down situation where kids are not given firmer no messages, like everyone stays safe here, that's not safe, throwing things is not safe, not going to let you do that, right? Just holding the boundary and saying, you can have your big feelings, but you cannot hit me. You can have your big feelings, but you will not throw things. And saying that sentence, it is okay for you to communicate what is the boundary and what's not. Now, just saying it isn't necessarily enough. We, that's the limit setting part. That's the boundary. And then following through on that boundary is really important. And I'm doing a workshop in a couple, uh, next week on Thursday called Managing Meltdowns and Misbehavior. And I'm going to talk about how to actually follow through with a consequence, right? How to practice empathy and compassion while setting limits and following through with those consequences without feeling bad about it. It's like... Connect, limit set, correct. All three parts of the Kamama process are, are important. So connection and empathy and, and emotional regulation is super important within a boundary. And then if your child's behavior is outside of boundaries, we bring in non-punitive consequences. And all of those pieces 
are important. It's like if you spend most of your parenting energy on managing emotion and like processing emotion with your kids, you are going to feel exhausted. I talk about this a little bit in Therapeutic Parenting, the the, uh, podcast episode I did a while back. How hard it is to stay present and emotionally coach your kids because they're going to have a hundred feelings a day. This little four-year-old that I was using as an example How many feelings did she have in that morning, right? So many. So if you're going to be present and coaching through each one, you're going to end up exhausted. And and that's that's not okay because then you're going to have to be able to like handle bedtime and, uh, you know, make lunches and, you know, get kids to get their socks and shoes on, right? There's so many parenting things that are required that require our energy. And get, devoting all of our time to emotional coaching is going to give us not as much energy. So I'm hoping that by hearing this, that you are, A, um, convinced <laughs> that, that kids need boundaries, right? And that, second, that you don't, have to, you don't have to attend every big feeling cycle that you're invited to. That as a parent... It isn't your responsibility to coach every emotion, but we want to be empathetic for that emotion and then also be able to trust that our kids can handle that feeling. It's also okay sometimes to distract from a feeling. Not, of course, if they very much are telling you this big story and they want to process like the, about you know how their dress got ruined or they didn't like their birthday present or something like that. Of course, if you're getting some some real words and and you're in a beautiful conversation, great, stay present for it. But sometimes it's just, eh, I don't like that. That makes me mad. Eh, eh, I, he hit me, right? I'm sorry, but you know what I'm saying. It's like, it's just a little discomfort. And so we're not going to discount it. We're going to be like, yeah, that's frustrating. I get it. Why don't you go ahead and run upstairs and grab your socks and shoes and come down and then we can talk about it. So you give a kid a little task, you give them a boundary, you give them some, some uh, con- a container, and they're oftentimes able to shift out of that big feeling. So we don't have to, you know, stay in those big feeling cycles for hours and hours and hours, okay? Or even minutes and minutes and minutes. Sometimes I, when, when I'm in my programs, I teach, you know, a little bit, I teach about like a connection, a connection tool, you know, oh, you're screaming, you you know, you're saying you don't like this. Are you feeling frustrated? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm open to listening to you talk about that for one minute, or I can help you talk about your frustration after you have gone done, you know, you're put, taking your plate to the counter. So you are saying I'm open for this within this boundary. I'm open to helping you with your feelings as long as you're not spitting on me. I'm open to helping you with, you know, talk about your frustration after you have tidied up your table, after you put away these toys. So it's within the boundary. And the more you practice the limit setting with the connection, the more your kids are able to honestly move through their negative emotion a little bit faster, process it, label it. That's usually enough, just naming the feeling, kind of giving them a little bit of room 
within that boundary and then moving forward. Now, what do you do afterwards, right? Like they caused a problem. That's consequences. I've taught that on the podcast. I'm going to teach it in the workshop for sure. And um, that's the managing meltdowns and misbehavior workshop. It's Thursday, March 7th at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern. It's free. And you can sign up on my website or on the show notes at calmmamacoaching.com. And, you know, that's going to be really great. I really hope you're there because I'm going to talk about like kind of how to do consequences in a way that doesn't feel terrible. Because what happens a lot of times is that when you're practicing gentle parenting, right, you are, you know, trying to get your kids to process their emotion with the hope that then they won't have to use behavior strategies like hitting, kicking, punching, spitting, throwing, you know, all of those things. We want our kids to not need to do those things. But honestly, the process of parenting, it takes a long time, right, to, to uh, parent a child to become an adult. And so in the meantime, we have to kind of bring in little ways to show them that, you know, hitting your brother causes a problem. Here's how you can fix it. Uh, you know, hitting mommy causes a problem. Here's how you can fix it. Not cleaning up your toys causes a problem. Here's how you can fix it. So we bring those impacts in to our parenting. We just don't do it in a way that's like threatening or if you don't do this, I'm never taking you to the park again. It's like, why don't we flip that? I'm happy to take you to the park or we can stay at the park as long as you're not throwing sand. And then they throw sand and then you leave. Now, you're all thinking, wait, I leave? Yes. But they're going to cry. They're going to scream. They're going to have a fit. They're going to maybe, you know, throw something or whatever. That's going to be terrible. Yeah, it is terrible. But having a kid throw sand at people is also terrible. And so you are the parent. You are holding your child accountable within a boundary. It is uncomfortable. And it is exhausting if you're focus so much on their big feelings all the time and you're processing every emotion, you will not have capacity to follow through. You won't have the capacity to hold your child accountable for their behavior if you overindulge the emotion. So we, and I say overindulge, I mean, we're not, we're going to name it. We're going to acknowledge it. We're going to validate that feeling. And then we're going to give them a strategy or a limit of how they can manage that feeling or what they can do with that feeling. Like it's hard to teach it on the podcast because when I teach it in my six-week program, I you know you're in the class and we're giving example after example after example. But you know if you go through all the other podcast episodes, you can kind of get the idea of how to set a limit within and then how to follow through on it. Now I want to acknowledge that. This isn't necessarily easy either way, right? It, spending time on validating an emotion while, while also holding a boundary is not armchair parenting. Now, what, what's armchair parenting? It's where you get to sit in an armchair and just tell your kids what to do and they listen to you. Now, you can get there with your kids with connection and limit set. For the most part, your kids will learn that it's in their best interest to follow directions because they're learning 
when they don't, there will be a consequence. But it's not when you parent this way, you're not teaching your child to be afraid of you. You're teaching your child to think through their action and the result of that action. And it takes time for your child's brain to connect those dots. It does not take a lot of time to connect fear, right? Because fear is a primal impulse. And so you can trigger fear all day long with your kids and they will probably be very good listeners, even when they're really young, because they're afraid of getting hurt. They're afraid of getting emotionally disconnection from you. And, you know, you might get well-behaved kids. What you don't get, though, is kids who can connect with their feelings and feel safe with you, unfortunately. It just creates a lot of isolation and disconnection when you use traditional fear-based parenting. But what do you do instead? How do you get your kids to listen? How do you get your kids to follow directions? Some of my clients call this, you know, the long game. They're like, oh, this is playing the long game in parenting. And it's like, yeah, it's not that long, but it is going to take, you know, six months or a year, depending on their age. I'm not going to give a timeline. I'm just saying it takes a while because their brain has to develop and you have to show them multiple times that if they misbehave, if they have an off-track behavior, there will be an impact and they will have to uh, repair that that there will be a consequence. I'm not afraid of the word. Consequence is not a problem for me. It doesn't mean pain. It doesn't mean punishment. It just means a result. I was thinking about this the other day, like where are there consequences in real life? And my example was thinking about if I went to the grocery store and I filled up my basket and I had all the food that I was gonna buy and then I got to the checkout and I realized they didn't have my wallet or my Apple Pay wasn't working. Or not my phone or something. I would not be able to buy those groceries. Like, they, the people who work there wouldn't be like, Aw, you forgot your wallet? Well, here, just take this $180 worth of groceries with you to your car. Like, no. There would be a consequence of my action. I'd have to leave the cart, go back to my house get my wallet, come back, and then pay for it, or put it all away, or they would put it all away, right? But the consequence would be I would not get my things. Now, even if I had a temper tantrum, even if I had a meltdown, even if I cried and said how sad I am and, and how upset I am, the, the people who work there would still be like, that makes sense, It may, that sucks, and we're not giving you your groceries, <laughs> right? So I, I think it's the same in parenting of like, yes, your feelings make sense. They're totally valid. You are entitled to, do, to feel that way. Can you yell at me? No. Can you throw things? No. Can you break things? No. Right? No. And you're not following the rules. You're not, you don't, you're not you know, keeping within the boundaries and the, the, the sort of contract of, of the way this family works. And so... That means that there's you're not going to go to get ice cream with us or whatever the boundary is that you've set. So I'm, I don't want you to be afraid of consequences. And when you have limits and consequences and you have connection and you're calm, you put them all together, 
you are teaching your child how to integrate all the parts of their brain. So let me say what that means. You have your child and they have their primal brain, their reptilian brain, their fight, flight, their stress response, right? So some kids, you know, flip into that fight, flight, freeze, faint, fawn. And then you're off, you've got a big temper tantrum, right? They're activated. In that, in that circumstance, when they're that activated, you have to just ride it out. That's a big feeling cycle and you just have to ride it out. Be present, make sure everybody stays safe and wait. If you're calm, a lot of times it fizzles out faster. If you offer compassion, it fizzles out even faster than just being calm. So it, you know, the connection and the compassion is huge. So you have your kid's little reptilian brain, and then they have you have their limbic center, and that's the emotional part of the brain. That's where decision making is based on emotion. If it feels good, do it. If it doesn't feel good, don't do it. It's not based on the future. It's not based on time. It's not based on money. That decision-making process is just very much impulsive. It's, it, there's not thinking involved. And then you have the executive function part of the brain, which is the thinking part of the brain. Now, little kids, zero to six, have a lot of trouble getting to that executive function. They have not built a bunch of neural pathways up there. And so it's very hard for them to do some thinking. But that doesn't mean they can't. It just means you have to do a little bit more work of showing how cause and effect work, showing how time works. You have to bring some more impacts. You have to have strong boundaries to show them how, how world, the world works. That's your job as a parent. And then over time, what you're doing with this process, you staying calm, you giving them connection, you're soothing their limbic center, you doing limit sets, you're giving them the idea of cause and effect, and you're activating their prefrontal cortex, their executive function, and then you're having consequences that are gentle and kind that also keeps them in their emotion, their um, thinking center of their brain. And over the course of time, you end up with a emotionally healthy person, someone who knows how to manage their feelings in ways that work for them and others. That is our goal. That's what the goal is in my Emotionally Healthy Kids class. If you do the Emotionally Healthy Teen class, we start wherever your teenager is, whatever skill set they have, and we do the same process. We set boundaries. We have compassion. They just look a little bit different as they age. But the process, the calm mama process is always the same. Calm yourself, connect with your kids, set limits, and follow through with correction. When you do that, you have a complete parenting model. There was this, this last sentence that I'll share from this article, and of course we're going to link it, but it says, um, what is most exhausting for parents is thinking there's an exact way to do things and a wrong way to do things, and walking around with the pressure that you're going to ruin your kids. It says, we're starting from an earnest place, but are intent on going above and beyond, and we are killing ourselves to curate the perfect parenting philosophy. It says, even though that doesn't really exist. I'm not saying I have created a perfect parenting philosophy. I would never use that phrase. I don't know if it's perfect, but I do know it's complete. <laughs> I do know that 
if you combine your own self-regulation and connection with limit set and correct, you won't feel so overwhelmed by misbehavior. You won't feel so overwhelmed by big feelings. It's really cool. One of my clients, she said, she sent me this note. She said, the best thing you taught me is that my child can be held accountable for the emotional drain they have on me and our family. It makes so much sense to add limits and consequences to calm parenting. It's the missing piece that has changed our home dynamic over time. It's a lot more chill and I'm not so pissed off all the time. This is what you can get when you work with me or when you sign up for some of my programs or you get my you know, free resources. You can start to activate into the four parts of the Calm Mama process. So the first the invitation to you is to come on March 7th at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern to my free workshop called Managing Meltdowns and Misbehavior. You can sign up, like I said, on my website, calmamacoaching.com or in the show notes. And I'd love to see you there. It's going to be great. There's a good little, it's a good work workbook or worksheet that I've created. Very, very simple. I did not, I did not add a bunch of stuff because I was like, I want to, give you something that you can read really fast and get understand really quickly and apply. So this is a very simple parenting workshop all about meltdowns and misbehavior. All right. I hope that this episode was helpful. I hope it inspired you to um, move towards boundaries, feeling more comfortable, feeling less guilt about doing them. And, and if you do feel badly, you should come to the workshop because I'll help you get out of that feeling bad about it. Okay. Have a great week and I will talk to you next time.